This is Rami, and I want to set up this introduction episode a little bit. That sounds funny, doesn't it? An introduction to an introduction. (laughs) In this episode, you'll meet the amazing Jessica Robinson. Jessica will be hosting a monthly episode segment called Bonfires on the Move. This great segment is going to be all about how technology is solving mobility issues. So listen in as we have a casual chat about the new segment. I think you will quickly understand why I'm so excited about her hosting this set of shows on technology and mobility. So I'm talking today with Jessica Robinson for the Bonfires of Social Enterprise. We've had such popularity with some of the guests that she identified during season one that we're going to start a regular segment with you, Jessica, and that's what we're here talking about here today. Yeah, Rami, I am so excited. I can't wait to do this. <laughs> I know, me too. Hey, I just thought we'd let the listeners know how we connected originally. You and I were guest judges at an event around social enterprise, and we connected there. And then you introduced me to one of our very popular guests from season one from Split Fairs, Anya Babbitt. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what you were doing at that time? Oh, sure. So, as you mentioned, we were co-judges, and I was really excited to be part of that event that was focused on social enterprise. But I met Anya, the founder of Split, because she brought her company to Detroit as part of the very first Techstars mobility program here in the city. And when I met you and heard what you were working on and had been talking to Anya about their vision for her company, it just seems like a perfect fit, and I had to put you two in touch. <laughs> yeah, that was such a great gift. She's so great. Her whole team, they're just tremendous. And then, as you and I kept in touch, it seemed obvious that there was just a lot of folks that you were identifying around mobility, using technology to solve mobility issues. And I think you and I just kind of organically said, hey, we might have enough content here, and and guests, let's see if we can do a regular monthly episode, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think it's great. And as I started to think about the types of folks that we could bring onto the show here or kind of expose to the listeners, I just keep getting more and more excited. There's just so much happening in this particular space right now. And attention to the way we move and get around here, not just in the US, but really across the globe, that this is really the perfect timing for this conversation. Yeah, Jessica, I know. And just for the listeners, your bio will be online. It already is right now. But would you mind giving them just a little bit of a feel of your background? Oh, sure. I'd be glad to. And, you know, it's funny when you try and think of telling your story of how you got to a certain point, because there's so many bits and pieces of background that I really see that have brought me to this place and have really built my love for transportation and mobility. So I'm going to give it a try. I I had a chance to work at Zipcar, which is the world's leading car sharing organization for a number of years. And I started with them all the way back in 2007 when the idea of new mobility solutions and mobility technology was, well, it was still really early. 
And I remember many conversations at the time, quite honestly, Rami, people laughing or doubting that this would ever change anything here in the U.S. So at Zipcar, I actually ended up doing a number of different things, everything from marketing to building community membership to something a little bit more boring sounding, but actually really interesting, which was managing parking for the company in San Francisco. And you can imagine that wasn't an easy thing. And in doing so, I had a chance to get a glimpse at a different side of business, which I actually think comes full circle in many ways now. And that was working with city officials who were really trying to grapple with what we do as civic leaders when we have all of these new companies and startups coming in. And they were concerned not just about risk, but also what happens to their voters if, you know, God forbid there was an accident. Or what does it mean for meter revenue when you have these shared vehicles parking all over in the city? There were so many different types of questions. And I personally, I really enjoyed grappling with them together with those elected officials and being on the forefront of those conversations. So I was at Zipcar for a number of years and that's actually what led me to Detroit. I was at the time working on new market expansion for the company and I had this opportunity to present to our company leaders a list of the cities that I thought we should expand into next. And well, much to their surprise, Detroit was one of those cities. And for me, having a chance to step back and look at North America and the places where there was both a business opportunity and a need, Detroit was one that it really did deserve to be on that list for a number of reasons. And gosh, it's so funny. I vividly remember that presentation to the leadership team in that big boardroom at Zipcar. And I mean, I swear, I think our CEO probably dropped his cup of coffee <laughs> on the floor. But we got it done and you know, I had a chance to see when I was putting that presentation together some things about the city that maybe others hadn't or haven't yet in terms of economic investment that was going on here. But again, the need given the context that we have with such a big city and also the availability of public transportation and how car dependent we are here. So long story short and full circle, apparently I was persuasive enough to convince the company that Detroit was one of the cities that we should go into along with other ones, much bigger ones like Dallas or Houston. And not only did we get the green light, but I was lucky enough to lead that project. And ultimately it brought me to the city and I just couldn't leave. I was here and I started to make really good friends, strong business connections. And I tell you, I think the second cup of coffee that somebody dropped on the floor was when I called my boss and said, hey, I think I'd like to move to Detroit from Portland, Oregon. <laughs> um, right, right. And so there was a really long pause this time on the phone. But we talked through it, and for a number of reasons, it made sense for the company, and it made sense for me personally. So that's how I wound up in the Motor City, and I've been here for a couple years now. So Detroit Zipcar is what brought me to this phase, but I do think some of those roots go deeper. 
Before I worked at Zipcar, I actually had a chance to work in tea importing, which is a pretty specialized segment of the world in the industry. But what I really took from that time was the company I was at was focused on fair trade and organic products. And as a young person in business, what I really learned was that you can have a viable business model, but still do good for people and the planet. And it didn't have to be an earthy, crunchy type of thing. It actually could make really strong business sense. So those roots have very much stuck with me throughout all of it. And with all of that in mind, I think that brings us here to today. And my work now is focused on innovation with organizations that are very, very large. They're Fortune 500, but trying to figure out how to marry them with startups. So it might be a couple founders with an idea all the way through innovation and investment departments at some of the world's leading brands. And I feel really lucky that I have the chance to see these innovators early on and are starting to piece together exactly what it means to run their businesses in mobility, but also thinking in the context of corporate partners, the larger impact that they can and that they want to have. So I'd say the other thing about my background, if anyone is interested to know, is I absolutely love bicycling. And I can't actually leave that part out because for me, the bike represents so much. It's a simple technology. It's been around forever. But I think if you explore what the bicycle means to kids, it's one of our first tastes of freedom. And for me, I grew up in the suburbs where the bike was really the first chance that I got to leave home and explore on my own. And then I started as a bike commuter when I lived in Seattle, and I really do believe in its potential as part of our transportation mobility solutions for the future here in the U.S. and globally. So that goes to say, don't be surprised if a bike makes its way in here and there, because I am really passionate about what that means for us. <laughs> I like it. That's so great. As soon as you said that about the bicycle, I was transported back to my first bicycle that I was able to buy. I remember buying it with my babysitting money. <laughs> and right? to yep. me, it just represented pure freedom to move around. What a nice circle back around because so many of these mobility issues affect people in this sort of riptide way. It can affect their employment. It can affect so many things like food access right here in Detroit. When you talked about your last position there and you were starting to watch a lot of this innovation, were you surprised, Jessica, at how many different issues technology can solve with mobility? Yeah, Rami, I think that's what's so interesting is that entrepreneurs truly believe in their technology with such passion. And sometimes they only see one piece of it. But I've been really lucky to be involved in a number of different aspects. So I see a little bit more of the system and all of those pieces starting to come together. With transportation, you mentioned it's access to food, it's access to jobs. It's actually the critical piece of our infrastructure, but also our lives. So I think sometimes about the conversations that I had with people talking about car sharing 
and it becomes very personal very quickly. And for some, it means saving for a vacation. For some, it might mean being able to go back to school. But it's really easy to forget that in America, the numbers are staggering and that transportation is the second largest household expense after the cost of our houses themselves. And for most people, it's about a quarter of our income that we spend on transportation if we're in a car dependent area. So when you think about technology, it could be something as simple as a car that's more fuel efficient. That's a major savings and a major impact. But it could be something that encourages us to get to work with coworkers, like Split. Could also be something much bigger that we haven't really even thought of yet. And that's what I love is the overlay of this technology, the personal, and what does it mean for cities and how we plan and think about the future. Yeah, and by the way, I just love the way we podcast these days. You know, we got a whole siren going by in the background and way to keep way to keep your focus. <laughs> Uh, you know, we just that's just how it goes. We don't do our show in, in these uh, beautiful studios. We're really out in the field, as our listeners probably have learned over the years. So, well, anyway, yeah, thanks for that. There's so much that can be done here with technology and mobility. I think you're right that transportation is just in every part of our living and being in today's world. And the timing and history for us to even be doing this particular show is amazing to me. I mean, we almost couldn't have done this 10 years ago just because of all the factors weren't lining up. People now desire to solve social issues. I find everywhere we travel around the globe, there's such a heart to how people are turning their attention on others, even though it appears as it's all about iPhones and my picture and this or that. It's all about me. I still find this incredible current of people turning their attention to others to solve social issues. Is there anything that surprised you, Jessica, about what could be solved with the technology? Yeah, that's a great question. I think things that come to mind are, again, I go back to the enthusiasm of some of these entrepreneurs. They would probably tell you, no, nothing is unsolvable with technology. But I think that some of those bigger issues that we're facing, we talked a little bit about household income. That's very personal, but you can take it to another level and the stream of these macro and global issues. And you know, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately, given not just the recent discussions in Paris around climate change and COP21, but just air pollution and something as small as tiny air particles, but how big of an impact that that can have on global health. So I actually was just reading, and it's a crazy number, but something like 2 million people a year in Europe and China, they actually die due to complications related to air pollution. And most of the cause of that air pollution is smog, which is linked back to personal transportation. And we're lucky enough to be here in the U.S. where we have strong regulatory controls. But when you think about transportation technology and these innovations that are happening, what does it mean for China and India? 
So even though it might be business driven, it could still have a massive impact for people there. So yeah, I mean, I guess I am a technologist at heart and hopeful that these technologies can take on big challenges. But I think the flip side is we always have to consider the human impact because it's very easy to prioritize technology and you know, you know, new tools and new innovations, maybe without knowing what it's going to do or you know, really having a clear grasp of it before we launch it out there. So I think about, I don't know, take heads up displays in cars, for example, which make sure we're not looking down at our iPhones and cell phones and texting and tweeting while we're driving. There's a lot of technology to come, which will hopefully influence and significantly impact how we get around. Yeah, I, I think I, I heard of once, someone told me that they already have technology to put uh, podcast uh, channels in the cars, which, of course, really excites me as a <laughs> podcast show host. Yeah. I, I like that one, too. <laughs> so getting back to some of those things, what are you noticing specific to trends, or what are you observing right now while we're preparing this show in early 2016? Yeah, well, my gosh, there's just so much happening. I mean, as we speak, companies literally are making announcements left and right at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas and other auto shows going on around the world. And it's a little industry insider, but in particular that CES show, it really has come to be a place where auto manufacturers of all companies, they're choosing to make their big launches and big statements for the year at that. So we've got that happening as a dynamic, and we also had the auto show right here in Detroit. And I'm actually headed out soon to an event called Transportation Camp, which is part of the National Academy of Sciences. It's their annual meeting for the Transportation Research Board. It's a mouthful. But these are some of the top thinkers in academic jobs around the world. They come together to share white papers on the research that they're doing. But this transportation camp is a little different. It's for younger professionals, students who are working with the academics to say, okay, you know, we've got the white paper, we've got the knowledge, but how are we actually going to put something into action now? So I'm really excited to be part of those conversations out there. And, you know, I just feel like mobility is in the news every day. And it might be because of the particular world that I live in, but there's really interesting things too. Like we're learning about bike sharing here in the US where instead of owning a bike, you can borrow one through a program in the city. And in Europe, they have not just bike sharing, but cargo bike sharing so that you can, I don't know, go to your local home construction store and stock up on home supplies or go pick your kids up after school. So I just love getting snippets of what's happening in other countries and thinking about what that might mean for impact for us here in the US. And you know, as, I, as we talk, it's funny, I'm thinking of a conversation with a friend just the other day where he asked what I thought my top mobility trends are for this year. And you know, I had to think for a minute, 
but ultimately I came up with a couple. So I'm going to try it out on you guys here. So the first is data. And in technology, it's something that we hear a lot about. Everyone wants to be a platform or create access to data as a strategic business model. But I really do think this year in mobility tech, that's going to just come to a whole new level. And whether it's companies or government or others that might be involved, they're thinking about not just capturing that data and using it internally, but leveraging those numbers and using that information that the activity is creating to generate a new knowledge and new level of insight about where people want to go what they want to do, what they're willing to pay, you know, the time, whatever it is. And I think data really is going to be a big trend for the year. And, you know, I'd say related to that is a connection between services. And we started to see this for a little while between, let's say, a parking app that might be able to tell you where to park your car and a rental car. But I think this year the connection is going to come a lot more between public and private services. So we actually just saw an announcement at the end of 2015 that Lyft, the ride-sharing company, had partnered with DART, which is the transit agency down in Dallas, Texas, to bring the two services together and make it more seamless. And I think that's going to be a big trend this year in many different companies or groups or transit agencies. It's that talking together, again, likely in the form of data. And then last, I'm going to throw out bikes just because I like to cheer for the underdog on this one. <laughs> and I actually do think we'll see, especially here in the U.S., a lot more focus on bikes and bicycle infrastructure. And we know that in bicycling, feeling safe is a big part of people's willingness to get out and try riding for the first time. So I'm always going to cheer for bikes and include them on the list, as I kind of mentioned before. And then kind of a wild card I'll throw out there, and I'll warn you, it's a little nerdy, but it's insurance and risk. And what does that mean as it relates to services, but also to banking? And we're starting to see different kinds of ownership models come into play beyond what the current car sharing or bike sharing offer to something where it actually might be fractional ownership or leasing to own. So there's actually a company in Africa that I saw where they're doing a lease to own type of scheme for motorcycles, which is quite honestly, it's bringing a new transportation option to people that were never able to have access to it before. And so now, for the first times in their lives, they're actually able to own an asset. So rather than sharing, this is actually improving their lives. So we'll see where it goes. A lot of people are looking at that type of thing, too. Ah, that's four fascinating trends. Jessica, I am so excited that you're going to be leading this segment and picking out our guests for us. Could we give a feel of some of the profile types that we might be able to get on the show for this year? Ah, good. Yes, definitely. So the more I think about it, the more types of guests come to mind. So we might have a hard time choosing, <laughs> but I think 
that some of the folks we'll be bringing on are those entrepreneurs that are at these early companies. They're just getting started out. They're working on new technologies, whether it's some new hardware piece that might go into a car or you know, maybe it's an app that people are looking at using to move around cities. And when I talk to entrepreneurs, what I'm excited about is that many of them are solving a personal problem that they encountered or they saw in their own lives. And what's really exciting is the global influence where we have founders here in the U.S. and across the world, and they have very different life experiences. So they're solving a different set of problems than the first generation of mobility innovators that are out there. So what does that mean? It means you've got people solving youth transportation issues, people looking at mobility in one of the original senses of the word, which is a physical mobility, retirees, elder care, and what are their needs? So I'm looking forward to having a broad set of entrepreneurs looking at solving different problems, but actually bringing them to market. And I think that's what's so cool about startups is every time I have a chance to sit down with the founder, here comes that fire truck again, let's wait for it. <laughs> so every time I have a chance to sit down with these founders, I am so struck by how quickly they're able to take an idea and put pieces into place and they test and learn. Maybe they'll come up so with something for the fire truck. As there. the fire truck goes by and I have a chance to think, <laughs> what I also know that I want to really dive into a little bit more are those learnings where everybody wants to talk about what's going well and what's succeeding in their latest and greatest partnership or their new product launch. But I think that those learnings and those stumblings, they're important to talk about too. And I actually just read earlier today that a good way to think about failure, which it actually is carried from something a lot of us learned to stop doing when we were little children. And failure can be looked at as a bruise, but what happens when you think of it as not a tattoo or a permanent thing? And I thought what was really cool was it demonstrated so clearly the mindset of the people that I talked to working on these innovations. A stumble, it's the way forward rather than a knockdown and a fall back. So I want to talk about those things that didn't go right as well as what they've learned from them. So hopefully we'll be able to go there and get some of those stories out of the people that we talk to. And I would just say, I think the second group of people that I hope to have conversations with are those on the ground at the government level, because they're also looking at these questions about what is technology going to do in our cities? Do I need to regulate it? And do I need to tax it? Should I just let it go and see what happens? What does this mean for businesses that you know, maybe lobby and pay for some of my election campaign. It's really complex, but whether it's city planners, transportation planners, a lot of people have to figure out what this technology means once it's out there in really different ways. So I think those are going to be some really interesting conversations. And then the last group I might bring on is a friend or two from the industry and get their insights on the trends that they're seeing and the technologies that they're looking out for in the year ahead. Oh, so rich. This is such rich content. You're right. This is going to be hard to choose, I bet, for you. I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. <laughs> 
I know, I know. The list just keeps getting longer and longer. <laughs> Another thing I'm really excited about, you as our industry expert, in my opinion, you are the industry expert, and you touched almost all of those different industries, what I would call organizational levels, I guess, the government, the nonprofits, mm -hmm. the startups, the corporations. You're really touching and traveling around the globe and so I just feel we can't have a better co-host of Bonfires on the Move. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, I know. Thank you, Rami. It's going to be great. And I really just can't wait to get our first guest on here with us. Yeah, I know. Me too. Well, and the other thing I'm excited about is I'm noticing a moving trend as we work with both the social entrepreneurs and the investors who kind of help support them. And for quite a while, I'd say even up to, I guess, this last year or so, investors who were interested in specifically in what I would call impact investing or social ventures, they tended to dismiss technology ventures as one of those saying, oh, well, that's just for growth and scale. We're talking about the mom and pop business or this little retail operation in the neighborhood. But I'm excited to help educate everyone on what's really happening because I feel some of these startups are really solving some of these social issues with technology. And I'm hoping by bringing this segment as a regular element on our show that we can help everyone understand how integrated technology really is in our society today. We can no longer say, well, that's just tech over there and that's retail over there, et cetera, et cetera. It's all coming together, and whether we like it or not, it's interwoven with these social issues. So if we all sort of step back and take a helicopter view, we could really, as my sister would say, knit a neat sweater here. We can really put together a really organic, uh -huh. interesting ecosystem. Yep, definitely. I, Rami, there are just so many pieces in play, and it's so exciting for me to hear you thinking of it in that way, too, because... I think the connection is going to be the theme and innovation in a silo really is not going to be very interesting or effective in the future. But for those investors, I just don't think it's going to be as compelling either because there are too many factors at play now and you can't be innovating in a silo anymore. You just can't do it alone. That's so right. So right. Well. Jessica, thank you so much. I can't wait. <laughs> and the listeners can go to the website and look at the calendar. The monthly show is going to be called The Bonfires on the Move, focusing on mobility with technology. And we'll have more to come very soon. For more information on Jessica, go to our website at www.bonfiresofsocialenterprise.com, where you will find a bio on her and the schedule of upcoming segments for Bonfires on the Move.